Hi everyone, it's Mark McGuinness at Lateral Action and I'm very pleased to have as my guest Stephen Pressfield, best-selling author of a string of novels including Gates of Fire, The Virtues of War and Killing Rommel. Steve, welcome back to Lateral Action. How are you? Hey, it's a pleasure to be here, Mark. Thanks for having me. Well, always a pleasure to have you here, Steve. Now, until very recently, I've been telling my coaching clients, if you only read one book about getting creative work done, make it The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. But now I've got to tell them that there are actually two books on their reading list, because Steve's followed it up with a new book called Do the Work. Where he comes at, it's it's a similar kind of territory, but you come at it from quite a, a, a different angle. So maybe, Steve, you could kick off by just, just giving us an introduction to what the, Do the Work is all about. Um, Do the Work is a shorter version of The War of Art, Mark, but um, coming from, it's, it's more from the point of view of direct action mm-hmm. in the sense of it kind of, Do the Work sort of takes you, the reader, from the start of a project, any project at all, uh, a new business enterprise, a a novel, anything that you're going to do, and takes you all the way through to the end, um, hitting what I would call the resistance points along the way, the predictable Mm. moments when uh, the project is going to rear up and bite you, and uh, then kind of discussing what what all that means and how how to deal with it. Right, yes, oh so predictable. Um, Yes, unfortunately. And, you know, once again, as with the War of Art, resistance has reared its ugly head. So, again, could could you say something about who who or what exactly is resistance? Well, when I first started writing many, many years ago, um, I had a seven-year kind of hellish period where I just kind of, uh, everything I touched blew up in my face. And I never really knew what, was causing it all. And finally, just for my own sake, I sort of identified in my own mind this force that I call resistance with a capital R, which is this negative um, force that radiates off a work in potential and stops you from doing it. It's the it's procrastination, it's self-doubt, it's uh, narcissism, it's impatience, it's lack of professionalism. It's all of those things that kind of stop you from doing what you know you should do. Like if you've ever joined a, a health club or a gym and then discovered that you weren't going, or if you've ever tried to start a, a practice of yoga or meditation and discovered that you're not really doing that after a little while, well, then uh, you know what resistance is. That's that force that's stopping you. Right. And, and I'm sure none of us listening to this have, have, have ever been in that position, have we? Hmm. No, none of us. <laughs> many, many times. So, um, y- you know, and you've, you've written quite a lot about resistance in the war of art, but I really like the new angle that you've taken with this book. You know the the idea of, of really walking us through step by step through the project, and it's it's really quite a roller coaster journey. You know, particularly if you know, I was reading through it, getting flashbacks to all kinds of um, awful <laughs> situations. I, I apologize, <laughs> but but the great thing is, you kind of show that this is normal. It's part of the process, you know. And when you hit the proverbial brick wall, I mean, and in the moment, you just go. Oh, you really do. It feels like it's the end of the world, and yet, 
when you're fr- putting it within that framework and saying, actually, you should be hitting this wall at this point, you know, this, this shows it's going right, is is really quite reassuring. I mean, it, I said to you, it's, it's grueling. It's quite a grueling repast, <laughs> but it's, it's, it's quite reassuring as well. I mean, c- could you talk a bit about how you came up with this structure? It, it all came out of uh, an email that I got out of the blue from a young guy who said... Uh, and the subject line of the email was help, exclamation point. <laughs> and he, he wrote me and he said, I'm in the screenwriting class. I'm like one third of the way through and I'm totally stuck. I don't know what to do. And normally I would not answer an email like that or I would just sort of blow it off mm-hmm. because I don't want to get involved in doing that. Yeah. But for some reason I just thought, okay, let me, I'll, I'll give this young guy kind of an, an assignment. So I sort of said, here, do this, do this, and do this. And then, uh, like a week later, he wrote me back and he said, oh, thank you so much. That, you know, really helped me. Got me over the hump. I turned in the project and I got an A. So I thought, uh, well, maybe I should use that as a structure for this, for for do the work. Mm-hmm. And um, so, you know, I had been sort of sh- too shy to do it that way. It was I felt it was kind of presumptuous or too much, you know, in the face of the reader. But um, so that's it, it does. It did seem to work. So I, as you as you know, from from reading it, Mark, it uh, kind of tells you, you know, do A, then do B, then do C. And uh, don't freak out if you, uh, you know, if everything explodes somewhere between <laughs> D and E, because it, it does for everybody. Right. And on that subject, just to follow that up just for one second. Yeah. It's, it's a little bit like um, marathon runners. know. Mm. That at 24 miles, they're going to hit the wall. I don't know if that's the same phrase in England as it is in the States, yeah, but yeah, yeah, we have that. Yeah, it's a, and there's a there's a real you know physiological reason for it. I've forgotten what it is. I think like your glycogen supplies run out or something like that. Right. But if you're running a marathon and you don't know that that's coming, and suddenly it hits you, it can completely discombobulate you, and you mm. can drop out and blow the whole race. But if you know it's coming, then you're ready for it. You're mentally prepared for it, and and you can handle it. So that's kind of what do the work is trying to do: hit those predictable resistance points along the way, and, and let you know what's coming. Right, and and please tell me it gets easier the the, the longer you're in the game, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> no, it doesn't, Mark. <laughs> but you know that. You know, the only thing is that I think uh, you and I would agree. I'm sure on this that. It gets easier in the sense that you've already, you know that you've already conquered it in the past, so you can do it again, but it's just as hard to do it again as it was the first time. Yeah, yeah. And another really great point you make in the book is actually resistance only arises once you set yourself a challenge, when you decide, I'm going to do this, I'm going to write this, I'm going to build this, I'm going to start this company run this race and i think the analogy uses it's like it's the shadow and and to the sun of your ambition your creativity yes and uh to me that's a little bit reassuring it's not as though you know what uh, the phrase that i use in, in do the work is resistance arises second yes which it always does it yes. it, it arises in response to something really positive which is the dream that you have or the aspiration you have to, to write a novel or finish your dissertation or whatever. 
So the fact that resistance rears its ugly head is a good sign, even though it's painful and it hurts and it's difficult. At least it shows you that you're you're doing the right thing and you're on the right path. Mm. So it's just as painful, but the pain has a different meaning. <laughs> it <laughs> yes. somehow makes it more bearable. Okay. And I think, you know, as well, I was saying to you, when you first flick through the book, I mean, it's beautifully printed and, and presented. And, you know, we'll talk a little bit more about the, the production process uh, later on. But when you look at the book, it, it kind of looks like it's going to be quite an easy read. I mean, it's it's lots of short paragraphs and subheadings and, and pieces pulled out in large print and so on but it's actually very intense because you know what we just talked about it's 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 pretty deep stuff and it really does take you through that that roller coaster ride at top speed i mean i think it's if you know if you've been doing a lot of reading and and scanning stuff on the internet on blogs and twitter and so on you're used to doing this very quick kind of reading but if you do if you read do the work at that speed you know it, it really it's it's much stronger stuff I mean, was it was this how you intended it, writing it in that way to to get people through it quickly? Yeah, I did. I mean, the War of Art is written that same way, Mark, mm-hmm. as you know. Yeah, it's very it's very concentrated. But also, and you and I will be talking about this later. The Domino Project is the umbrella group that this that do the work was written under, mm-hmm. and the the sort of uh, marching orders for any book under the Domino Project, which is. Um, uh, overseen by a guy named Seth Godin that maybe some of your people have heard of. Oh, yeah, yeah, I think uh, I've heard of him somewhere, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> the marching orders are to it, it's you know, to write a short book that's really all meat and potatoes. And I, nice. I feel like I've been reading uh, a, a really good book called Bounce by a guy named Matthew Syed. Have you, have you heard of this book? I've heard of it. I haven't read it yet. It's on my radar. It's really good. It's about... Um, what makes uh, exceptional athletes exceptional and so forth. Right. And uh, But the thing about the book is it's a full-length book. It's like 240 pages long. And so I find when I'm reading it that, and I think just about everybody these days with short attention spans reads the same way, I'll sort of scan mm. the entire page just looking for the one nugget that's on that page Yeah. because I don't feel like reading through all the other stuff, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And, so it was very much the marching orders for me, given to myself, that uh, I didn't want that filler in, in this book and, and do the work. I just wanted to boil it down so you could pick it up, read two paragraphs, and then stop, and you'd have to think about it. So, um, and I think that's kind of, for this kind of book, I think that may be the future, the way, the way things are going to be written, because people's attention spans are so short these days, including mine, that... Um, I just don't want to read through mm. a bunch of stuff to get to the meat and potatoes. It's like give it to me, give it to me already. Well, it's I mean it's a great solution to the problem, you know, because I think you know all writers have to contend with this. Um, I would just say to readers, and I think the, what it reminded me of was going on to to visit a friend in Belgium. As you know, in in England, we like we're quite fond of drinking beer, but the beer's all about four to five percent. But then if you go over to Belgium and the bars, you, you have to remember the beer there is about 8, 9, 10, 11 percent. <laughs> <laughs> so oh, really? you, you have to drink it a little bit more slowly. And it <laughs> can take away, you know, if, if you're not careful, it will hit you fairly hard. So so just, just handle with care. 
Well, you know, if you're, you're to butt in here on you, Mark, if you're reading, you know, Dickens or uh, J.K. Rowling or something like that, you want to be taken for a ride. And so you want yeah. all that stuff, you know? Yeah. You want to sink into it and just, you know, really enjoy it. But if you're if you're reading something that's more coaching oriented or uh, then you you know it's uh, more, more business oriented, you kind of want to get right down to the uh, nitty gritty as fast as you can. Mm. Mm. Okay, another couple of statements that that had me actually cheering in my seat as I read were "stay <laughs> stupid" and "stay primitive." You know, it, and it was such a refreshing antidote to our kind of conceits of sophistication with all our wonderful 21st technology, 21st century technology and, you know, intellectual pursuits and so on. Could you expand on that? What, what do you mean by being stupid and primitive? <laughs> well, I think that uh, it sounds facetious, but it really isn't. Yeah, yeah, that's what I really it, like. I mean, you're dead serious about it. <laughs> yeah, I think certainly um, in the initial stages of, say, writing a book, or, or brainstorming any kind of project, one of our worst enemies is rational thought. Mm. And I think where we really want to come from is from the unconscious and from our own intuition. So that's what I mean when I say, stu- when I say stay stupid. I mean, it's like a child doesn't know enough to be afraid to do something that they're going to do, to climb a tree or, or to swim across a, you know, a, a stream or something like that. And um, only we adults have no have psyched ourselves up to, with such terror that we can't do anything unless we're wearing a, a protective helmet and a seatbelt, something like that. So, uh, and when I say stay primitive, it's the same thing. It's like the you know the process of birth, which is the same thing as the process of creation, writing a book or starting a new business. It happens in blood and chaos, and it's totally primitive. I don't care if the if the mom has a PhD in you know astrophysics; hmm. she's still going to be you know cursing the doctor. You know, and, and, you know that's that's the way it is. So I think it's it's good to to stay primitive and to stay to stay stupid and um, just play like a child would play. It's very hard. It's very easy to say that, Mark, but it's hmm. really hard to do because yeah. we always will start. You start to write a sentence, and you go. Oh my God, that's not good enough. That's not up to the level of Shakespeare. I better stop it and do it again. And what I'm saying is, don't even think about Shakespeare. Just get something down. Hmm. And does this relate to to the bit a bit later on in the book where you 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 talk about the the, the question that you describe as pure hell, which is, what is this project about? You know, really getting to the the sim the fundamental simplicity of of, of that. Well, that one, I would say, actually, I would say the opposite there. Really? I think you can't stay stupid there. you got to stay very, very smart there. Right. And what we're talking about there is what is the theme of a project, which to me is always the hardest thing to figure out. Mm-hmm. Um, what, you know, what is this thing about? Like, I have found in novels that I've written that I've written the entire book before I figured out what it was about. Or it was even published before I figured out what it was all about. <laughs> it's, so, it's so hard to really boil it down to that one line. You know, there's a famous story that I've told a bunch of times about, I don't know, do, have you guys in England heard of Paddy Chayefsky? Uh, I know the name, but I must admit. He's a, it's he's a famous American writer. He wrote Marty, 
Uh, he's the only uh, guy who won two Academy Awards for original screenplay, wrote for Network and for The Hospital. Mm-hmm. And he also wrote Marty, the one um, that Rod Steiger won an Oscar. No, I'm thinking, no, um, Ernest, Ernest Borgheim, I think. I can't remember who. Anyway, um, Patty Chayefsky was being interviewed one time and he said, this is a pretty much of a quote. He said, as soon as I figured, this is back in the day when they had typewriters. He was like from the 70s. He said, um, as soon as I figure out what the theme of my project is, I type it out on a single thin slip of paper and I tape it to the front of my typewriter and scotch tape. <laughs> After that, nothing goes into that play that isn't on theme. So... Um, what was interesting to me about that quote, among other things, is that he, he said, as soon as I figure it out, which says to me that he's writing full tilt and he doesn't even know what the thing is about. <laughs> it takes a while to figure it out. I mean, you're a poet. You probably, I mean, I would imagine poets are just totally winging it, you know, when you're, when you're writing something. But coming up with a theme is a killer, don't you think, Mark? Oh, yeah. Tell, tell me about it. I mean, what, one of my... Uh, the, the phrases I've heard from my uh, poetry teacher, Mimi Calvati, well, actually, one of the kind of most damning things she's, she said about my work in a class was, and, and she'll say this to a few of us, she'll say, because, I mean, the, the workshop I, I go to occasionally, it's, it's, most people have been writing for a while, so, you know, we're, we're, we're pretty good at the basics. You know, um, you know a lot, lot of stuff's been published and, and so on. And Mimi will say, okay, so this is a really well-written poem, and, you know, the, the, the language is well-handled, the, the rhyme, the, the meter, the, the alliteration, the, the syntax, etc. He said, but the trouble is, she said, that you knew everything in this poem before you sat down to write it. You know, it uh, I like that a lot. That's yeah, great. It didn't surprise you. It didn't shock you, you know? And she says, and that's why poetry has yet to walk in. <laughs> ah, that's very good. You know, you so know uh, I have also heard Jackson Brown, the American songwriter and singer, he says that um, he writes a song to find out what he thinks about something. In other words, he doesn't right, know yeah. <laughs> he's going in. So that's kind of another reason to stay stupid. Mm. But it's also, then you have to get smart and try to boil down all this stuff that your stupidity has put on the page, boil it down and figure out what the hell is this about. No, it's it's not easy, is it? Because you, you've got to do both, both at once or both at different stages of the of the project. And, you know, at some points it, it, it gets absolutely terrifying. I mean, there's a whole sequence right in the middle of the, you know, the book within the book where you talk about being in the in the belly of the beast. Could you say a little bit about that? Uh, yeah, I'd be glad to. That's. Uh, I think we any anybody any of us who have started on any kind of any long project, you know that there always is going to come that moment. Usually, maybe three quarters of the way through, when the whole thing just crashes, and and then you realize that you are you are you've really bitten off more than you can you can chew. Yeah, and. Um, that's when a lot of um, people just give up. And again, so again, that's sort of a predictable resistance point that uh, uh, do the work, the book, is trying to warn people about that. You are going to hit that moment. It's like hitting the wall. Mm-hmm. happens to everybody. So don't panic. 
uh, it's predictable. It's going to happen. And then I, I sort of have a few ways of getting out of it. But um, the thing, Mark, that we were just talking about, about figuring out what the theme of a project is, mm-hmm. that almost always, in my experience, is the uh, the bete noir of this belly of the beast. What right. What has happened is, at the start, when we were trying to figure out what it was about, we were lazy. And we thought, well, it'll come to us along the way. We didn't really crack that nut. Yeah. And then we go three quarters of the way through, kind of faking it as we go. Mm-hmm. And at some point, the whole thing just, we realize, if this is a bridge, we realize this is not going to get to the other side of the river. You know, it's, <laughs> it's, and, uh, this plank is too short. <laughs> it is. And, uh, and the reason is we didn't order enough steel at the start, or we didn't figure out exactly where the, the narrowest part of the river was. So we got to kind of go back to square one right. and solve that thematic problem that we avoided at the start and and then that usually is the answer and gets us out of the belly of the beast but it uh, usually we're, we're all pretty lazy and we wind up there thrashing around in a river full of alligators not knowing what to do <laughs> yeah and i mean for me there's two really important points that i take from that one is you, you know you, you just it, it you describe in the book that it comes after a point where things seem to be going almost it's too good to be true things are going really well so you feel like you're making progress and then it hits you and it hits you all the harder because of that but as you pointed out it's actually a a normal part of the process and there is a way through it so i guess maybe maybe the older we get the less surprised we are <laughs> even though well, it's, you know it's, another it's place where you really you really see this is in sporting events right if you watch a you know a seven game elimination series or something like that in the playoffs or the championships at the end of the year you know they'll it'll you'll have all those momentum swings right where one mm-hmm. team will up it's yeah. like they're they're high-fiving each other and celebrating, and then suddenly mm. you know, they lose. What happened? Oh, my God, the other team came back, you know? And uh, a lot of times a young team will have to go through that experience, you know, yeah. two or three, four times before they finally become battle-hardened enough to, to be ready for it and, and to, you know, be patient and stay cool and hang in there in that, in that, in that dark hour. Okay, so, I mean, this is all pretty tough stuff. But I was also very pleased to hear some good news in the book. I mean, (laughs) the the, the stuff that we've talked about. I mean, one thing in particular you talk about um, as a complement to resistance is assistance. So so what what is assistance and how can we earn it or is it possible to earn it? How how do we access it? Well, I'm I'm sure as a poet you know all about this, Mark, but... um, I'm a big waiting for it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a big believer in the muse. You know, I believe that um, that ideas come to us from a mysterious, from a dimension, another dimension of reality. Mm-hmm. I'm a believer that any creative work uh, already exists in potential um, long before any artist or entrepreneur starts it, and that it's really our job as artists and, and entrepreneurs to kind of bring into existence on the material plane something that's already in existence in potential. So if, if uh, let me stick with the muse analogy because I think this is a good one. And the muses, as you know, are the nine sisters, the daughters of Zeus and Mnemosyne. Yeah. 
And uh, their job was to inspire artists, right? And there was a muse of dance and a muse of epic poetry and so on and so forth. So I think that, uh, and I've, I've read this from so many people that I know it's true, and certainly true for me, that when you sit down every day and do your work, no matter, and beat your head into the wall, the muse is looking down on you from, from heaven. And when she sees that you're working hard and that you're not arrogant, she likes that and yeah. she will favor you. And what assistance as opposed to resistance is, is really just a question of where do ideas come from? You know, ideas will pop into your head in the shower. They'll pop into your head while you're driving down the road. And, and that is the muse talking to you. And I, and I have found that when you work steadily on a project daily, you know, hammering away at it, it's like a, a, a force of energy begins to build up around you. And that energy is like a gravitational field that will pull in uh, ideas, thoughts, uh, connections, even even money will come to you. Um, friends will pop up out of nowhere. New people will come out of nowhere and, and be drawn to you. And so there, this it's sort of like, a sailor launches his, you know, runs up his sail. He can't see the wind, but he knows the wind is there, and he believes in it. And sure enough, that wind will fill his sail and carry him along. And that's the same thing that happens when we start working and we keep working on a project. There's there's a magic to it. It draws creativity um, to us. And so that's what I. That's the opposite of resistance. As resistance is the force that's working against us. Assistance is a force that's like a following wind that's driving us forward. Well, thanks, Steve. As a poet, um, that makes complete sense to me. Ah. <laughs> you know, I know not everybody is. Um, you know, in in some quarters, the muse is 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 not treated with the respect that she necessarily deserves. But you know, I think any creative person can relate to that, or anybody who's achieved something where you know you. you you kind of break through into a place where you, you know, wh wherever you say it's coming from, it's, it's coming from somewhere that isn't your normal frame of reference. You know, where, whether you're an athlete getting that extra burst of energy to carry you over the line or, you know, you're a writer and, and an idea comes or that you've got no idea where it came from, but you, you go with it. It's, you know, and I think you have to, have, like you say, you know, for the muse to look down, you have to have a certain humility about the work that you're doing. Definitely, and and I, I think most creative people will agree that it's they are not the ones that are really doing the work. The work is kind of yeah. coming through them from another place. Yes, and um, so there's a there's a great uh, I don't know if you guys know about this thing in San Diego called TED. Have you ever heard of that? T E D. Oh yes, oh yes. Yeah. The magic of the internet. With, right. Uh, great. Well, there's a wonderful uh, talk by Elizabeth Gilbert yes. that I would yes. recommend anybody Googling who hasn't done it. Yeah. And she talks about this very this very thing and does it very articulately. I, so, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, and humility, you know, I mean, the, when the ancients, when Homer or anybody started to, to write something back in those days, the first, the opening of, of all of those works is the invocation of the muse. You know, like the Iliad starts out with, Sing, goddess of the wrath of Achilles, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And so the you know the poet was asking 
asking for help. And um, the muse likes that. She likes humility. <laughs> she likes hard work. Yeah. And because, you know, he knew he wasn't going to be doing it all himself. And um, I will include a link, actually, to the Elizabeth Gilbert video because it's uh, i wrote ah, it's a good video, idea. and it is really a fabulous articulation of exactly what steve has just described that sense that it's it's not you doing the work there's something you know whatever you call it there's something that at a certain point comes through and takes over and that's when the real creative magic happens Okay, so thank you, Steve, for that kind of journey through the, the belly of the beast and beyond um, in terms of the, you know, the, the subject of Do the Work. And you know, I do encourage, I'll, I'll include a, a link, obviously, for people to get hold of their own copy and, and go through the journey themselves. Um, but if we've got time now, could we just talk a little about the, the production and, and the publishing uh, of the book? Because I know that you're, you're working with... Um, with a Mr. Seth Godin and his team at the Domino Project. And Seth, as usual, is at the cutting edge of the new wave of, of publishing and distributing ideas. So could you talk a little bit about how the Domino Project works and, and what your experience is as an author of this, this new way of, of doing things? Okay. Uh, yes, I'm a huge fan of Seth Godin. I think he really is at the cutting edge of, of this sort of thing and a lot of other things. And... Um, Basically, what the, the, he came up with this idea for the Domino Project, and the basic idea was that he would team up with Amazon.com, or I guess Amazon.co.uk, or mm-hmm. I don't know, yeah. I don't know whether it's that as well, world, yeah. and that they would be the publisher of these books rather than a traditional publisher, mm-hmm. and so that the books would not be sold in bookstores. Or you couldn't get them from any competing online publisher. You could only get them from Mm Amazon.com. And what Amazon would bring to the project is their incredible database of all they know who has bought book X, right? They know who's bought your books. They know who's bought my books, et cetera. And even we don't know who buys our books, right? And they know everybody who has bought similar books, so that Amazon can kind of put out the word to you know exactly targeted audience. And then the the other aspect of the Domino Project is that uh, it would be one book a month. Seth Seth wrote the first one called Poke the Box, which came out about two months ago, and I wrote the second one, which is Do the Work. And these books they're not novels, they're not biographies, they're not histories. They're what Seth calls manifestos. And they're short. They're like maybe a hundred pages, and um, and they're not long pages either. You can you can read them easily in one burst. You can certainly read them on an airplane. Um, they're kind of made uh, for um, a tablet, an iPad, whatever. Uh, you can read them even on a smartphone. Um, and so um, and the subject are are usually. Or so far, they've been sort of, I don't know whether you call them motivational or inspirational or sort of a, you know, kind of a kick in the butt type of stuff. Um, and they're not doing anything like novels or anything using this model, but it's uh, at least not yet. But it's a really interesting um, new model. And this, this sort of mini book, I think, is a new product that hasn't existed before. Um, it's kind of made to be for the electronic format. And also, it's funny, Seth, 
brings them out not in paperbacks but in hardbacks and very quality kind of small but very well designed and very well made hardbacks. Um, am I leaving anything out here? Is there anything, Mark, that... Uh, no, I, I mean, I'd just like to kind of follow that up because, you know, I've got my copy here and, you know, it's beautifully printed and bound and, you know, even the little details like the, the illustration on the back of the... on the inside of the dust jacket and so on. So I think it's, you know... And I know Seth is a book lover as as well as being, you know, a, a, a digital enthusiast. And I think it's it's interesting that the format, it's you've got this beautifully printed kind of real... It's not it's not exactly retro, but a real bibliophile would, would love to have one of these books on their shelves. And at the same time, I know obviously you're working with Amazon and the Kindle and 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 so on. So it's 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 kind of cutting edge, but also you know uh, feels very much in touch with the the traditional roots of book publishing as well. Yeah. Now, um, one of the other aspects that they did with with uh, do the work with my book rather and not with Seth's at the start was. He, he got a sponsor for it. Uh, General Electric sponsored the e-version of it so that they were able, Amazon was able to give it away for free for about a month. Um, and they actually got like over 100,000 downloads. Um, wow. Unfortunately, I didn't make any money off of this, but uh, it's, it's kind of a new, a new uh, you know, most traditional publishers at, um, operate by the scarcity model. Yeah. And they don't want to give away anything because they figure every, one book or one ebook that they give away is a book or ebook they won't sell. Hmm. Whereas I'm a believer in the opposite, which is get get it out there, yeah. and then then people are if if nobody's heard of it, then they're certainly not going to buy it. So in any event, this this Domino project is also trying innovative ways of of distributing the books, including giving them away. Well, you know, I'm interested to hear you say that, Steve, because it's, you know, one, one thing is, you know, maybe if, because you're already quite, you know, you're already, you're already well established, you've, you've, you know, published lots of books in the traditional format, and yet you can still see the value in giving something away, experimenting with a new business model. You know, you, it's, it seems to me you, you, you've got this openness to embrace the new way of doing things. Do you think this is equally applicable to, to up-and-coming writers, people who are new to the game? Um, I, I, you know, that's a, a good question, Mark. I'm not really sure. Um, I certainly think that it's a new world out there. And just like uh, rock and roll bands will now give away their songs mm-hmm. just so they can, you know, tour and make money that way, or they'll give away, you know... Uh, four songs out of an eight-song album and hope that, that they'll, uh, you know, find a, a following. I think that's probably, uh, and, and what I'm just talking about, the Domino Project, it's probably an intermediate step. We're moving towards something mm-hmm. whose form hasn't become clear yet. Mm. But I certainly think that the old way, the old ways will hang on. They won't go away. Mm-hmm. But the new way is coming. And anybody who's involved in music or publishing or art or movies or any of that stuff had, had better, you know, stay up to date because I think it, it can pass you by. I mean, I feel like I'm swimming as fast as I can and <laughs> still half a mile behind the boat. Um, but 
new stuff is coming and new models are, are taking shape. Um, uh, there's two uh, books I'm reading now. I'm, I'm probably way behind the times on this. One is they're both by Chris Anderson uh, called The Long Tail yeah. and Free. Yes. Are you, have you read those, Mark? I've, well, I must admit, I've kind of skimmed them. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say I've, I've done what you did with the other one. I wouldn't say I've read every single word, but I have skimmed through them. Yeah. And I've been well, to see him speak as well. It was a very interesting talk. He came to the RSA here in London ah. uh, just when he launched free. So I, I guess I kind of got the condensed version from that as well. That's, in a way, that's probably all you need. You know, <laughs> you, kind of, you got the domino version of it, you know, which yeah. is. Uh, but it does go to show you that new models are. are coming online here that um, that work and and it's it's important to, to keep up with them right okay well maybe that's a good place to, to leave today Steve you've been really generous with your time um, about the book itself and also the publishing so a- any final thoughts or shall we call it a wrap there uh, that sounds pretty good Mark I want to thank you for you know for having me on and for you know it's, it's uh, you know it's always I'll do anything with you that anything you want because you're so you know you're such a good guy and you're so thorough and, and uh, so prepared so it's always fun well thanks Steve it's always always a pleasure to have you here and I hope it won't be too long before we uh, have you as a guest at Lateral Action again so likewise and the next time now maybe we'll get a video going here and we'll, we'll we, should, we should do that let's do one <laughs> thing a technical logically one thing at a time so finally thanks a lot Mark okay well I'll include some links for people to get the book is there um, a website in particular that they should go to for do the work that we've got stephenpressfield.com um, is your main website I'm sure they'll be able to get it from there um, and you know Amazon uh, I, I, I hope they have it on .co.uk they should yes yes they do uh, well you kindly sent me my copy so I didn't have to buy one but I'm, I'm, I'm sure I'm pretty well sure I was telling my dad he needed to get it so um, wherever you are in the globe, wherever there's an outpost of the Amazon Empire, uh, you should be able to get Do the Work by Stephen Pressfield. So, Steve, thank you very much again, and thank you everyone for listening. Okay, thanks, Mark.